0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, as always, Gavin. And I, Justin. And we uh, did some... Well, you, done, you haven't
1: done any exploration, but you've explored the idea of exploration. I've explored the idea of a very long road trip with some inspiration from both a car that I own and a couple of like road trip videos that I've watched recently that... I think it'd be a really cool redemption arc for said car.
0: Hmm. I wonder what this car, actually, I know what the car is. I'll just,
1: I'll spoil it right now. It's my Audi that has been constantly troublesome. So you want to put 7,000 miles in three weeks on your most famously
0: unreliable car you've ever had ever.
1: With a third of that being off pavement. Okay. uh, Yeah. Well, let's figure out what you're on about. Well, I guess we can go ahead. I just started recording. I guess we can go ahead and record Gratefuls. We could record Gratefuls. We've been doing that.
0: Yeah, we have been. Um, To anyone that's listening, let us know if, you know, if this is anything that's at all interesting to you, Mm -hmm. if we like listening in to our gratefuls. Um, What am I grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for job opportunities. Uh, I'm grateful for, I'm stoked on the uh, Overland Expo that's coming up. Yeah, two weeks, right? less because we leave not this wednesday but next wednesday gotcha so what 10 days from now yeah we leave in 10 days and uh yeah driving down to flagstaff and uh setting up shop and um it's gonna be just a fucking whirlwind it's gonna be insane Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna have to get my ass in gear for sure (laughs) as far as like content creation just being on top of it oh yeah um but I'm grateful for that and grateful for the rock stars of a crew that we have of people you know, uh, that are setting up. and I- I'm setting up too, but yeah, uh, I don't count myself in that in that group of rock stars.
1: <laughs> You're just the one that videos the rock stars. Uh, well,
0: I, uh, yeah, and I will be setting up too. Uh-huh. Like I'll be there you no know, doing that. but um, yeah, I'm ex- I- I'm grateful for that. Grateful for my girlfriend. I'm grateful for um spring actually being here, and not just going from winter into summer, even though we did have some warmer days. Kind of been a delayed spring, because usually by now we'd be a little bit hotter than we have been, at least in the past few days. It's like, what, 60 right now-ish? yeah, Like, we should be in the 70s,
1: yeah, I think. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I like the 60s more than the 70s. The 70s are great. Love the 70s. I like the 60s. 72
0: is perfection. (sighs) 65 for me. 69. Nice, it is nice. Sixty nine is a nice temperature. Um, what else? What else? What else am I grateful for? Um, I got an oil change booked. Nice, grateful for that. Uh, Grateful for honestly, I'm grateful for the photo shoots and the content that like outside of work that I've been able to kind of like uh uh, take advantage of. Say like Michael with his NSX Mm -hmm. and um these guys with these with this uh FJ forty yeah uh OG Land Cruiser. Um, the Horological Society that, uh, we just had an event with Formex. Um, Formex is an interesting watch company because they started in like the, the late nineties and for a long time they had a pretty, I think dated design, mm-hmm. but in the past few years, like they've really like ramped up and they have like these really cool, honestly, I think you would like some of them. They might, some of them might be a bit flashy to your taste. Okay. Um, because they do have, like, really high-quality, like,
1: uh, high-quality polishing and finishing. High-quality. 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 We're going to (laughs) start using that now. Whenever I see, like, a really polished wheel, I'm just going to say, that's a high-quality you got there.
0: (laughs) Man, the steering on this NSX is very (laughs) high-quality. Very (laughs) qualished. Anyways, I've only had one cup of coffee today, which I might change that. Um... Yeah, high quality, like, the, the finishing and the polishing is cool, but what they do have is, like, these really interesting, like, engineering solutions for things. So, one thing is cool is you could pop out bezels and replace bezels on the fly. Okay. Like, easier than a watch strap is. Hmm. Like, you literally just go in and pry it with your fingers and it pops off, and you pop it back, a new one on or something. Gotcha. So, that's cool. Um... They have bracelets that don't that have a hidden clasp, so like check out like the watch that I'm wearing right now. Like there's a very there's a defined clasp and like, yeah. there's a fold over thing and you pop it out. They have and like Rolex does this and like other brands do this too. Where like but they have them on like they're more higher end stuff like Presidents. Yeah, uh, Ro- Ro- Rolex Presidentials have them. Um, but Formex uh, they have that, but they also have a dive extension with that. So a dive extension is like, I don't know, however long this is, maybe like a five millimeter extension. Yeah. And um, you can pop that out like if your wrist swells up like on hotter days and stuff. Um, What else do they have? They have like super easy interchangeable uh, bracelets that you can like pop in and out. Like it's not even like spring bar. It's not even like a quick release on like, uh, like like an aftermarket leather strap. It's easier than that. It's like it's a button. You just push the button and it pops out. Gotcha. Okay. Which is cool. And like they kind of live in the thirteen hundred dollar range to like maybe twenty five hundred. Okay. So it's like actually somewhat attainable, it's not like you know five k and up kind of thing. So, uh, and like their designs have, uh, I think have come a long way. And like in person, especially like they're, I, th- I thought they were pretty. So okay. Anyways, um, that was a tangent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> back to gratefuls. Uh, yeah, grateful for that. Um. Yeah, I'm grateful for, for a lot of shit.
1: Yeah, and I think, who, let's see, where do I want to start with? I'm grateful for Google, uh, not just for creating us a home on YouTube, but also just for the usefulness of it if you know how to use it correctly. Okay. Uh, like just being, oh, for a, like these being able to search up ter- you know, terms and solutions and forum posts, effectively anything. Doing just, research for mm. video things, let's say. Yeah. Like just, a- equipment. Yeah, like, like equipment and GoPros and shit like that. Yeah. Just uh, the, the extensive usefulness of that tool. I'm also grateful speaking of equipment uh despite the fact that yes equipment is still an investment uh it is constantly getting cheaper um you rewind i was just watching a video where somebody was talking about like how cheap equipment has gotten and they're like yeah 12 years ago if you to try to get the quality of a video that you could do today with like a gopro hero 10 or whatever you would have been spending an absurd amount of money like 10, 10, 12 plus years ago.
0: who was I talking to? I was talking to someone recently about um, when when GoPros first came out, Mm -hmm. um, my dad had, not like he had something to say about it, but um, he had thoughts, which is interesting because back in the 80s and 90s, uh, he was a ski videographer. Mm -hmm. So he was like big into skiing and is actually um, a somewhat decorated... uh, Freestyle skier. Yeah. And so uh, he kind of stopped doing that and transitioned into ski video production. So um, think, no, he didn't work for Warren Miller, but think that type of film. Yeah. And he would be chasing people down mountains with like a camera over his shoulder. They would be making turns, but he'd be straight lining down. Yeah. No turns. Yeah. With 40 pounds on his shoulder kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But at that time, there was also something called a lipstick camera. Which the camera itself resembled a tube of lipstick in terms of like, you know, cylindrical and like length size and stuff like that. Yeah. Then there would be a wire that would run from it into a backpack, which is where all the data was captured. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, fast forwarding from, say, 1987 to 2007 – that, which was, like, early GoPro stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, this is, like, what, a $300 or $500 camera or whatever
1: that you can, like, do anything with? Yeah, Like, this is amazing. So. Yeah, because even um, the main thing they brought up was audio because they're like, man, to get proper, good, either wireless or wired transmission audio even 20 years ago, you were spending five digits. Oh, so much, yeah. You were spending an insane amount, whereas now, like, our little mic packs we use that are amazing that we love so much were $300. Mm-hmm crazy transition and completely wireless. So like yeah. tons of crazy stuff. So I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for just the the area of the world we live in, not just the country, not just the state, but like North America in general and how relatively free we are on like this continent to for instance go and do road trips and things like that. Like it's fairly easy, especially going like northbound to Canada to pass through and mm-hmm. access a ton of beautiful areas, beautiful roads. Yeah, uh, And we have... Uh, probably, if I remember correct—well, I re- remember if I remember correctly, if I could speak correctly, we have the most amount of like paved drivable roads in the world mm. per per like country and in capita. It's, Interesting. Um, so like the fact that I could get in a car here and drive all the way to the East Coast, and then if I felt like it, drive all the way through Canada, all the way up to Alaska, and there's a road that would take me there is...
0: Pretty amazing. Well, and also just like the amount of time that – or amount of uh, area over time that you can cover here as opposed to European countries is insane because, yeah. uh, I mean, if you were – you could cover from California to New York in – if you're not doing a bonsai trip like you would like to do, yeah. but if you like to do it like a normal person, yeah. you could do it in like three, four days.
1: Yeah, comfortably do it in three to four
0: days. Three to four days. Mm-hmm. Then look at the size of Ireland. Yeah, like that that's probably two days, and Ireland is probably like across is probably as far as like from California to Colorado,
1: possibly even less than that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fairly small, and a lot of that's just especially here in the West, we have the advantage of geography that just allows large straight lines.
0: Sure, <laughs> so that helps. I mean, they're a boring, but, but like, but you cover a lot of ground.
1: You do. Um, and fortunately, all the old roads that still exist and go around shit are still there. You can still True. take the B roads. Yep. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I'm also just grateful to have the cars and stuff that I have, and just to have the, the ability to do things with them. How's, I, the, I, how's the Audi? I just, I, so, every time. I, I, no, no, no. Every h- time, hang I just got twist it twisted. So, it's funny you mention that, because that's actually what I wanted the transition into. Yeah. I had an idea. Uh-huh. So, Gavin knows this, and those that have listened will also have heard me mention this. I don't watch as much car content as I used to. I It's just as my content tastes have changed, I've changed more towards tech content as well as like exploration content and a, a little bit more away from cars. But I still will dip my toe in fairly occasionally to the odd thing that interests me. And over the past couple days, I ended up stumbling across two that were relatively interesting. One of which was Throttle House. Throttle House. What they're doing, uh, well, they're releasing now. They already did a Arizona trip with two older cars. One's an a-, a Toyota. I 80.
0: watched it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they one's a Toyota 8086 and the other one is a first gen, so Mark I, Volkswagen GTI. Yeah. Um, fantastic video. They're great guys. I love their chemistry. They're hilarious. Yeah. Um, and also great content creators and it was cool to see that like they, in doing this trip, had sponsors like, for instance, Honda sponsored their camera vehicle, yep. and they had four camera guys with them with a the whole crew. Well, they had, they had two camera cars, I
0: believe, a Honda and a Toyota. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean those that would those would have been press cars. They would have that. Those are from the press circuit. and Who knows? They might make a video on those later.
1: Yeah, and they also had like I think four to five individuals, like a full crew, basically. Yeah. So that was well, cool. they always do. Yeah, they always do because they're they're pretty. Uh, for like the size that they are being that they're like moderate to large size as far as the automotive content creators go. Oh yeah, they're heavyweights. They're pretty heavyweights when it comes to like the uh, amount of like gear and stuff they have. Like yeah. they have they film with reds. I yeah. mean, awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I also ended up stumbling across a Gears and Gasoline series that I missed, which was the redo of the Alaska trip uh with which cars with the Evo and the STI. Okay, gotcha. So they attempted it four years ago, but only got into the panhandle due to a couple of different issues. So they redid it, and it was actually nine months ago, I just missed it. Uh-huh. So it got f- fed to me in recommendations, uh-huh. and I watched that whole series, and I was like, God, I, that was awesome. Because they take him from Florida all the way through um, the United States, they leave North Dakota, go up through... Um, Alberta in central Canada, and then take the Alaska Canada Highway. Yeah, to go all the way up through the Yukon and actually enter proper Alaska. Yeah, so I was like, man, I just shit like that makes me want my Audi to be running. Mm-hmm. And then I did a little digging and was like, huh, I wonder. Um, I wonder if there's anything else up there. Like, I, I wonder if I set a, a random goal for myself to do something crazy like that with the Audi. If I could actually have a fuel to the fire to, like, truly get it going. Because okay. part of the problem I've had with that car is that I just don't need it, necessarily. No, you don't. So, it, there's, there hasn't been anything pushing me to get it done, even though I would like to get it done, because it would be a better random daily than the Saab.
0: Definitely, yes.
1: So... I found a couple things that made me really curious. I'm pulling them up right now. I'm going to put them on the screen for Mr. Gavin. So I found a road just north of the actual, like, uh, um... Also, can you beat my mic? I'm yeah. I'm going to make some adjustments. Okay. okay. Cool. So, um... I... Found up here a road just like north of where they were at that was really interesting that I had never seen before. Yeah, and it's called Top of the World.
0: Uh, there's a few Top of the Worlds, there's one in Moab for sure. Yep, but there's there must be one up here. Is it in the Yukon? It is, it is deep in the Yukon. So, is it paved?
1: M- most of it, moderately paved. Yes, uh, it transitions from pavement to to uh gravel several times but it is right it's kind of hard to find just like randomly searching for it i can actually find so what you can also
0: do if you don't drag but if you click the little guy all the roads light up
1: yeah so it starts right here starts in a city called dawson city it's just north of where the actual um canada alaska highway is sure but this stretch from Dawson City all the way to the actual Alaskan border, it's about 40 to 50 miles. But I w- I found it, and I was like, okay, that looks like nice, long, and sweeping. Yeah. And then I pulled up Street View, and.
0: I mean, we're in the clouds here. So this. So did... that's not it. I don't think that's what you wanted to show me.
1: No. <laughs> and, and this this monitor that we use to display is also not the best for color. There we go. Okay, so it is, it basically runs the whole spine of a mountain range for that 50 miles. And when it's not in the clouds, all of this stuff is beautifully colored. The stuff being the mountainside, the grass and stuff. So I was just looking at that, like, wouldn't it be cool if I designed a trip where I could basically drive this road, which is the second most north, sorry, third most northerly highway in Canada. Okay. Um, Because there's also, or... uh, Sorry, in North America in general, because the other one is Prudhoe Bay, which is the long 400-mile stretch that basically is just used by oil rigs to get up to the north end of Alaska. Oh, cool. Um, Basically make a trip where I drive all of these roads in one. There we go. And so I did. Where basically I would set off from here, go through Montana, all the way through Alberta, up to the Canada-Alaska Highway, up through top of the world... And, and end up all the way at, as far north as you can go. And these are all public, drivable roads. Yep. Drive back down, take Canada, Alaska the other direction, and drop down all the way through British Columbia, through Vancouver, and then back down. So this whole trip,
0: uh, Google is indicating 126 hours of driving. That,
1: that is very conservative. It's yeah. probably quite a bit more it's than probably
0: that. probably 150.
1: And 7,000 miles. Yeah. Now, doing a trip like this... You want to do this in your Audi? That was the idea. Okay. So, doing a trip like this requires a bunch of different shit. Does
0: AAA go into Canada?
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, good. However, although AAA may say they go into Canada, and they do, um, there are plenty of points where you are not going to get rescued by AAA. I was going to say, do they go to Prudhoe Bay? No. <laughs> so, uh, Have you uh, done research to prove that it doesn't? Yes. <laughs> I-, I do know that for a fact. Um... <laughs> So the road up to Brudo Bay, in particular, which if I zoom in because I just can't remember the actual name of it, of course it's not going to tell me right now. Um, that road is almost entirely unpaved from from there all the way up, and it is considered the most lonely road in the world because there's two hundred mile stretches where there is nothing.
0: Okay, so you're bringing extra gas probably for yes. this too. Yes. Okay. Um, so what
1: I'm hearing is overland Audi. Kind of, yeah. Um, okay. All of these are graded, so they're not like actual off-roading. They sure. are functionally gravel-paved roads that are maintained. Yeah. Uh, but they are not kind.
0: So what I'm what, when I see this and when I hear you talk about this, that I'm kind of picturing what you would need kind of thing, especially with my recent experience with overland vehicles yep so are you thinking uh like a roof rack with a basket maybe that was kind of part of the idea get some um uh not racks racks but um uh fuck what's the other one uh basically it's these gas cans that have the hole in the middle and like the mounting system goes through that hole and like you spin it and like it it mounts yeah rotopax rotopax yep (laughs) Um, wow, that was really dramatic. Sorry, <laughs> sorry listeners. Um, but yeah, like Roto Packs, get a couple of those at least. Um, are you thinking basket on the top, maybe to like take
1: extra stuff? Are you thinking rocket box, like a Thule? Probably just a basket because okay. the car itself is fairly sizable. Same with the trunk. Like, I could fit, and you're, I mean, I imagine you're staying in hotels this whole time. Yeah, that would be the goal because, okay. um, it also depends on where you do it. That top of the world highways only open summers. So like I would have to do it somewhere in between. Next year. June. Uh, well, not next year necessarily, but like if I was to do it regardless of year, somewhere in between June and September. Yeah. Um, and it would be about three total weeks. Wow. Um, there and back. Okay. So it would be a, it'd be a huge trip. Um, but you can camp, but there's a lot of obstacles. The obstacles aren't even in that season snow or anything More as more as wildlife. Okay. Namely, this is deep, deep in bear country. Yeah. So there is there is a so lot of... So you're packing uh, heat then at that point. Yeah. So if you were going to camp, which I'd probably have something as an emergency backup in case I had to, because there, again, there are several stretches of this where there is nothing for right. dozens upon dozens of miles... Yeah, I would definitely have bear spray and the necessary precautions for the event. And, uh, yes. Boomsticks. And, and boomsticks for the necessary precautions in the event that something happened. Yeah. Um, I'd probably also have a spare up top in the rack. You would at least need a
0: spare. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you need a spare. You need gas. You need tools. Yep. Uh, extra oil probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're well, putting 7,000
1: miles on, yeah, I would be doing an oil change. Probably, I'd probably be doing two oil changes, actually, because that car, its regular interval is 8,000 from the factory. I do, I have done <laughs> three to five. Yeah, three to five. So
0: if you get an oil change, like the, you know, basically the day before you leave, and then you drive up to Prudhoe Bay, oil change, yep. and then
1: one when you get back. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Because this is a lot of, uh, uh, about half of it is going to be, we'll call it relatively normal highway driving like highway speed 60 to 70 stuff like that. Yeah. Uh the other half of it is we'll say 40 to 50 on most of it where like they are uh, cuz I've even seen people do these roads fairly well graded either gravel sure. or not as great dirt tracks like washboard. Yeah. But then primarily the last couple hundred miles going up to Prudhoe Bay yeah. is going to be like probably 20 to 30 max. Like yeah. it it's pretty uh, it, it's clearly a road that is has a specific purpose, which is to get oil rigs to and from the top right. of Alaska. Right. So, so
0: okay. Um, and you want to do this in what is famously known <laughs> as your least reliable vehicle ever. Yes. Um, so this is probably happening at the earliest 2024. Probably. So you have a whole year to uh, to basically train. <laughs> You're training yourself and your car for this. Probably um, probably more my car than anything. Well, yeah, because you like to drive. Yes. Um, what other road oh, – so I have a couple of things. Yep. What road trips would you want to take as prep to kind of make yourself feel at least more comfortable to – take on a a mammoth of a road
1: trip like this? There's one I could do that I've actually sort of done before already that's going deep into Montana and or North Dakota. Okay. So there was a delivery I took when I was working for the trucking company that went way out to a random town almost to the Canadian border in Montana that went through, we'll just call it uh, similar enough territory that it would be comparable. So if I can find it it's it's way up in one of these areas right here. It's called Heart Butte. It's actually a reservation. Okay. Uh, but similar type of thing where once you leave the, uh, the graces of like Kalispell, and you get off on some of these tracks, they're same thing. You're deep in the wilderness. You are just on dirt. Sure. You, there's not paved. There's not gas. Anything like that. So you do have to plan ahead. Yeah. Um. So at least give somewhat of a little bit of a taste that of what I could expect. Sure. And how the car will do. Um. Now, I'm not worried about, it's an Audi, I'm not worried about traction. I'm not worried about those things. Especially if you go in the summer, too. Exactly. Yeah, if you go the in car like July. Will, the car will do fine, even if I was to do it in early winter. I wouldn't be worried about the car performing in snow the way it should. The worries would be, what else with that car, especially, could go wrong? Right. Now, at this point, enough things have gone wrong, that enough things have been repaired. You, you would think so, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, you say that, but um, the problem I've always had is that everything I've repaired has stayed repaired. It's been a except for control arms. Yeah, well, I've got half of those done now. (laughs) (laughs) But everything I have repaired has stayed repaired. It's been something different. And It is a turbo five cylinder. Those don't break mechanically yeah I'm not worried about the car probably the only thing I'd have to do is valve stem seals which I've done before they're fairly easy just because it does consume oil at the moment and I'd want to reduce that totally yeah Uh, but that's something I can do in my own garage and have done do that
0: like a month maybe before you leave it so you can get some road miles around here on it yeah just so you could be like okay we're good."
1: good Yeah, that's one. I know the cooling system's good. In fact, right now, the cooling system's too good because the thermostat's stuck a little open, um, Mm. so it doesn't actually warm up all the way. Yeah. Um, The radiator's good. I know the timing, and, like, all the belts are good. All the rubber's good. Like, there's so many things in that car that have been done. It's just now getting it to pass emissions, getting the rear end done, because those are the control arms I haven't done, is the rear shit. Yeah. The suspension is good now because it has, on the front end, all been gone through, albeit it just needs a proper alignment and some camber plates, because right now it has about two degrees of camber due to the lower. Um, But even then, the lowering that is done on it is not enough to prevent it from doing this trip. Um, It's not super low. It's just as as low as it should have come from factory, in my opinion, if it was actually going to be a performance car, Mm -hmm. like it was supposed to be. Like
0: an actual sports sedan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um. That would I would probably do a trip like that in preparation, which that trip up to Montana and back is, is a fairly easy two, two-and-a-half-day trip, no problem. But it would give me a good enough understanding of how the car would perform on about 300-ish miles of those roads. Um, as far as, like, other prep, like, the car already needs new tires. It already needs several other things that would benefit this trip in the end um, and make it even possible. Uh, everything does function on the car, But there's a few little things I would add. For instance, doing that many miles, one of the problems the car has is that people in the 90s didn't think about, oh, you need to power devices in a car. There's only one cigarette lighter output. Okay. So I'd add a couple of those wired just direct to battery. Yeah, there's also,
0: um, you know, solar-powered battery packs that you could also get for, you know, USB-powered things.
1: Yeah, so I definitely need some type of Battery backup prevention. I would also have a jump pack as a as a totally uh, uh, yeah like a uh, like a Jackery type yep. of device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't. I would also have a tow rope and I would also have jumper cables. You would need that, yeah. But uh, jumper cables rely on another car being able to jump you. A jump pack yeah. can do it itself. Right. So I would have both of those, and I already have the tools that I would need, and I and I know that car well enough to know like the amount of tools I would need without going overboard. Right. So that would be good. Um, I also can count on that trip um, requiring me to bring like I would obviously I would do this for content I wouldn't do this for nothing you fucking better I, uh, yeah exactly if I was going to do something like this it damn well is going to get a film because the point of the film is going to be yeah. like okay cool I am taking the car that has been the biggest pain in my ass the most unreliable I wish of I could ship. go do this with you I mean, and maybe we can. Maybe we can do it together if you want to spend three weeks in a car on roads like that well, with me. Well, what I'd like to
0: do in that case is uh, my work would not let me do this. But if I could steal a rig yeah, and take, like, the Gladiator. That would be sweet. Take the Gladiator and do this. Or take the—I would actually rather take um, the Tacoma because yeah.
1: that's got a canopy camper on it with propane heat. Oh, yeah. That'd be perfect. Yeah. No, that would—I mean—and that could be really cool. You never know. Maybe they'd be down for that if you proposed and said, "Hey, big picture here." Like, I—I I would have so much week, sorry, so much time,
0: so many weeks to get whatever fucking content yeah. in so many different scenarios. Exactly.
1: The, you're traveling through almost every type of terrain, and
0: that shit's decked out too. I mean, the canopy camper on on the truck alone is forty k.
1: So you never know. They might be more into that if you might think if it's planned out far enough in the head, and if there's like yeah. very specific, like I want to do this, and right. we'll, we'll make a video series about this on our channel. But sh- like shouting you guys out, maybe they're even a sponsor. They w- they would have to be a sponsor.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have to create content uh, f- that is. Proprietary to them, yeah. Uh, such as you know, product photography or videography. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, you get behind camera, and I host a video of some kind of like,
1: hey, here's what we've done to Violet. Yeah. Uh,
0: as far as you know, b- the build or whatever.
1: I think that could be a distinct possibility, um, and that would be nice to have like a, a backup vehicle. And that would be a great way to legitimately test that vehicle. Yeah. In, in every scenario. Um, but even if that's not the case, like with the Audi, um, I should, I should be able to effectively carry everything I need and do everything I need with that car. Like this is all theoretical because the car should be plenty capable of doing that because the gears and gasoline video I watched that covered most of that same stuff that I'm mentioning, he did it in his track prepped Evo. So lowered, Oh uh, yeah, lot you know, and they're both built engines. The SDI also had a built engine, oh, making yeah. 400 wheel and 500 wheel respectively. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot more potential problems that could go wrong with theirs, given what the vehicles were set up to be. Right. <laughs> versus me, where my vehicle still maintains pretty much all of its original drivetrain and um, well, the things that made it good to begin with. Yeah, and and mechanically, it doesn't. It's ironic at the beginning of that video, and I, there's no spoilers. This was nine months ago that that video series came out. The beginning of that video, the STI with the freshly built engine mm. dies, uh, <laughs> uh, so they have
0: to restart the trip. Well, I, I mean, almost similar to James uh, on Throttle House with his AE86. Yep. because uh, they, what did they warp? Did he warp
1: ahead, or something? No. It. it in fact, at this point, I watched the ne- the video that just came out today, oh, the, the second th- episode. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I won't spoil anything. The car is still running. That's the only thing I'm gonna spoil. Yeah. But like, the problem hasn't been found out. <laughs> mm. It's still persisting. Um, interesting but no the the subaru did have a major oil leak and a couple other little things oh subaru yeah that occurred yeah it's yeah. just what uh, it is well i, I wouldn't well, all i was going to say with that was that i wouldn't be mechanically worried about the actual like engine and stuff like that no it's making, everything around it making its factory power that cast iron block will not have troubles
0: that would be cool if you also had it tuned up a little bit too by that time
1: that i mean that would be part of the thing like my it that's why i'm trying to search for a goal is if i have a goal post let's even say that it's like 2 years out cuz then it could give me enough time to truly build it right yeah then and then sell it <laughs> <laughs> i'm too deep in my friend That car ain't leaving me at this point <laughs> it, it yeah anyways um do the trip and sell it you were going to go on to well
0: i was going to say i think in order to also um do this properly. I think someone else needs to weigh in here. Yeah, and that individual is named Brian, who makes questionable decisions in a <laughs> Ferrari 308. Yeah,
1: I would love to like pick get his con- brain,
0: get in contact with them because I mean he knows the everyday driver guys well. Yeah, um, he was actually on their podcast a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would be someone
1: to to pick a a brain to pick for something like this. I want to basically give the car a hero story because at this point. I've had good moments with the car but for the most part due to various reasons it has just not run or yeah. not been legal. Mm-hmm. And w- when I know it's more possible cuz like I already have in my head the vision for like the kind of the beginning of this uh the intro to this video series cuz I bet it'd probably be a three-part video series. That w- yeah. like like 340-ish minute videos. Okay. And like the intro in my head would be like I I've owned this car for six years and put less than 10,000 miles on it in that time because the car, despite it what it should be able to offer me, has given me nothing but problems. So I wanted to give it a story arc. I wanted to give it a moment where it could actually shine and do what it's supposed to do well. And before I hear the, oh, it's an Audi, <laughs> it's an, oh, of course it's going to go wrong, shut up, because especially these older ones, and I've owned multiple of them, so I do know This is the only one that has given me this kind of headaches. And there is plenty of people to back up that. You may have correct uh, assumptions in some of the newer Audis, late B5s, B6s, B7s. There Like is eras that you are correct that Audis had litanies of problems. However, these earlier ones, from a mechanical standpoint... Should have been way better than the experience that I had with this car, and I know that because I've owned others. It would be
0: it would be cool if there was. I'm I'm just thinking about like the business aspect of like making a video like this, and I'm thinking about some way of getting like Scotto Hoonigans, maybe yeah, um, at least getting Dave involved. Yeah, you know, I feel, yeah, feel like that would be interesting.
1: That would be interesting because as far as the business aspect of this goes, I would probably need two years to prepare, not just the car, but financially oh yeah because this is this is a bucket list type of trip right Seven thousand miles in three weeks in a car that may or may not make it i mean it's it's the makings for all the good road trip films right and on top of that uh gas once you pass into the yukon is ten dollars a gallon and the car on its best day gets 20 on the freeway right so i'm probably going to be averaging 15 16 Yeah, I'm probably sometimes ten. Probably, mm -hmm, I'm probably going to spend three to four grand on fuel alone. It is not going to be cheap or easy. Um, And then once you add in all the other costs, not even including getting the car ready, it's probably going to be close to five to six. So there's going to have to be a good amount of money, and it's something that I would do myself, because there ain't no way we're going to have the money to do that. No. Even the big companies don't have the money—big companies. Big guys don't have necessarily the money to do that out of pocket, because if you look at all the Gears and Gasoline videos, they have advanced auto parts. If you look at, um, for instance, even the first one we just talked about with Throttle House, they have like six sponsors helping them do that, Mm -hmm. because this shit costs a lot of money. Right. So. Well,
0: uh, did Auto Tempest buy those cars, or did they buy those cars? They bought them. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, at least as far as it seems from the video we yeah. can only surmise right um, James or uh it was James that it, it was James that bought the a86 yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah, allegedly 16 but actually 30 plus <laughs> yeah yeah um so there would be a lot of time I would need to financially prepare and make sure that like everything back home with the business is like good be like hey by the way I'm gone for three weeks and by the way I probably won't have sell signal for two-thirds of that mm-hmm I hope nothing happens. <laughs> Which is why I'm like,
0: do I need to like go <laughs> and like steal it, steal a vehicle, and like
1: be a backup? Yeah, and I'm not opposed to that whatsoever because that would be fun. Like, it would be. F- We'd be fucking sick of each other at the end of it. That though. that's one thing I could definitely see happening. Yeah. Um, especially if we were in the same car. Like, you would definitely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. He shakes his head. He shakes his head, and I and I agree. As much as I love Gavin, as Just much as like, I know he loves me us in the same car for that many <laughs> miles and that long of a time in that type would, of conditions. I would be like Justin, just slow down a little bit. You'd be like, why? I'd be like,
0: slowed the fuck down.
1: <laughs> and then you, I'd
0: just do a 20 mile an hour rollout.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't work. We'd have to be in separate cars. Yeah. Um, I just had that little wave. Especially, what mainly spawned that wave was that top of the world road. Because I've never yeah. seen, I didn't in my very brief search, I'm sure there maybe is one deep in the YouTube's However, I didn't find anybody that had like easy video of having driven that. Sure. And it's just cool that it's a seasonal road that has very little purpose, but that is like you're driving in the clouds on the spine of a mountain for like 50, 60 miles. Right. And the only way to get there is by taking a ferry. There isn't a direct way there. So just a lot of cool things lined up in one paired with the fact that I could finally give my car a hero story if everything was prepared correctly.
0: Right. In theory,
1: in theory, and, and actually put the mileage on that it deserves because, like I said, I haven't done even more than ten thousand miles in six years, which is the opposite of the norm for me. Mm-hmm. If, if that car was fully functioning, I would have put a lot of miles on it. By oh, now. totally, yeah, because it would be a again a better daily than than the Saab as much as I love it. It just it's a big four door sedan that's a lot more comfortable and has all wheel drive. Like it's the ultimate yeah. winter beater. Yeah. So well,
0: and it's funny you also bring up Gears and Gasoline on something like this because uh the trip that I took last year up to Sun Valley, uh I intentionally took the long scenic route to get there and drove up to Boise mm-hmm. and then took oh what if I forget the name of the actual road, but it's through the sawtooths mm-hmm. uh to get and the sawtooth, you know, dumps you right into uh Ketchum, where Sun Valley is, and that's where the tour de fours happened and mm-hmm. it happens every year. Um I don't know if i'm going this year i'd like to go but i don't think think it's happening yeah um and yeah it was like 190 miles of mostly squiggles and then like you know going up in altitude and down in altitude and like seeing like these super panoramic you know views of like the sawtooth mountain range and i love that feeling of just being small yeah. but like by nature standards yeah like seeing something so fucking huge you're like, oh, my God, that's so huge, and it's right there, and I'm just looking up at it. Like, it's it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. And, I mean, on this trip that you're talking about, you're going to get loads of that.
1: Well, yeah, and after this, while this is processing, I could even show you that Gearson Gasoline one. Because that is like, yeah. the, the thing is, they kept coming back to it. They're like, we kept thinking it wouldn't get better, and then it did every time. Yeah. Because it's just, you're in the middle of nowhere driving next to rivers that are next to 5,000-foot-tall t- mountains. Yeah. It, it's... It's the ultimate scenic road trip that also goes through a bunch of different scenery. You go through, like I mentioned earlier, like you leave from the desert, you go through North Desert, like through Idaho and shit like that, go into Montana where you're in green flatlands for a minute and then transition straight into mountains. And then all of a sudden, you're driving through the middle of nowhere in Midwest Canada and then straight into the absolute bowels of the Rocky Mountains. Like you go through everything. Yeah, And that's what's cool to me is there's just nothing quite like it because even if I leave in the summer, again, I'll transition from 95 degrees here to where by the end it the sun doesn't set and high is like 50. <laughs> like, it's not, I'm only transitioning one time zone. Yeah. But I'm transitioning uh, going uh, longitudinally, going north. Yeah. I'm literally going through what would be the equivalent of like six or seven time zones if they were, went north to south. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm like, God. Yeah. To, again, especially doing this in the summer, it'll be crazy because I will arrive in Prudhoe Bay at like God knows 2 a.m. and the sun's still wide o- wide open. And I'm like, oh. This <laughs> is why
0: 230 uh, uses light suppression technology because it is dark as fuck in those tents.
1: Yeah. And you could actually sleep mm-hmm. totally fine. Yeah. So it's. I, I think that this might be a new item I'll flush out and add to my bucket list. Yeah. Um, I would probably also. For safety's sake, uh, the only major modification I'd make to the car besides putting a rack on it would probably be a light bar, either a light bar or pod lights, some type of lights for nighttime driving Mm -hmm. in the sections that it'll be necessary just for safety, not even for looks. Yeah, I would just add them to the light bar, to the actual front of the cage itself. I wouldn't put them on the car. That's good. Because I don't care to keep them there after, really. Yeah. Um, I'm not. It would be cool, though, if you'd like to keep the
0: car in like, I mean, you'd wash it, obviously, but keep it in the same state as it was
1: when the trip was done, yeah. Well, it, and just like the car stays that way, I think that would be kind of cool too. Yeah, I, and I would be very much for that. And I think I just flush out more of the idea and figure yeah. out like, what exactly. I wish we
0: were larger content creators because I do see a project that like that where it's like, oh, well, you could go to 1552 and get some like cool wheels and like some mm-hmm. other company for tires and get like some mud flaps and like have like a almost rally inspired look. Yeah. Because like uh, old 4000s and 5000s. Oh, yeah. Like they pull off that look really, really well. They look fantastic. And like your car, you know, with some like uh, Integrale type wheels or something like that, or maybe they're smaller versions of like their HD wheels. Yeah. You know, to go on something like that, uh, you know, with with some balloony tires mm-hmm. and mud flaps. It would just, and it, with the cage on top and the lights.
1: Yeah, and I would probably I would have a couple options as far as that is concerned. I could drop down comfortably to 16s, even 15s with those brakes yeah. and put some pretty fat tires on it if I wanted to. I probably wouldn't um out of I've watched 5 videos where individuals have taken cars that quote unquote shouldn't be there and they've all done it comfortably on all seasons. Yeah. Um just because again, it is still maintained um yeah. it's not literally driving through straight wilderness the tracks are maintained and, mm-hmm. and you not I have to to get those trucks up there exactly so i wouldn't necessarily be worried about having like super swampers on it in fact i'd probably air towards all seasons just for the sake of like getting my mileage up while i yeah, can on the freeway true so that i don't like get 15 and then down to 12 yeah that would be painful yeah um but i'd probably do that i'd probably leave it at the height that it is now i'd probably leave the exhaust i'd actually change the exhaust because the exhaust that's on it now sounds decent but it hangs down pretty low i'd probably get it pro- oh. properly rebuilt to yeah. not hang down as low mm-hmm. and Can you just change the geometry of the hangers no it wasn't built correctly oh so it, it wasn't uh, whoever built it, it it does sort of follow the curves that it should to go over the rear axle and stuff like that but not well huh interesting I had to get it like when I got it and I got it for dirt cheap from Dave funny enough yeah uh, because it was off a car he pulled to junk um it it had to be modified to fit mine just because it was built so poorly interesting (laughs) but it's okay. It was ba- it was a basically free MagnaFlow cat-back, so like I can't really ah, complain. Bucket. Yeah, can't really complain. It sounds decent. Yeah, uh, at least I can hear the car now, whereas the car before, oh my god, I weighed the exhaust I pulled off that car. It weighed 120 pounds. Wow. Th- those it had a front massive resonator and a rear massive muffler, and those things felt like they were made of concrete. Yeah. So Jeez. like, I would fix that. Um, I don't even know. In a weird way, I would kind of even want to do it with the wheels that are currently on there. Uh, the black ones. What's on it? <laughs> they're the uh, Alzor, which is ECS Tuning's in-house brand. But they were made by a reputable manufacturer, just white-labeled. I'd have to go look at the inside of the wheel again. Interesting. Um, so they're like, they technically are reps, yes. But yeah. they were manufactured by a noteworthy manufacturer that does do OEM work. Sure. So they're okay wheels. Um, and I think if I did just leave those, it would be kind of even more funny where it's like I didn't completely changed this car in that many ways it is kind of the way it was just with a ton of fixes and a roof box and Mm -hmm. things of that nature and i i do agree i think i would want to leave it in that state somewhat afterwards yeah and probably collect stickers along the way and like have the like on like one of the rear glasses the journey in sticker form (laughs) like linearly that would be cool and a lot of tacoba guys and fj guys do have
0: a thing about um patches yeah Mm -hmm. so you could even like have a thing like with patches like you wouldn't do this but like along your headliner yeah you know sadly that headliner's too pristine (laughs) yeah no i know i I,
1: I know where i stand oh yeah (laughs) no and like the the best part about it is that that car it just needs a hero story sorry i know i'm coming back to that but that's where like i just think it would be cool and something
0: that isn't just like a cross-country or something that isn't just like here to the coast.
1: No. Or something like it needs like an because it's put you through so much shit. And it needs it needs that redemption factor. And just doing a cross-country drive is honestly comfortable in that car. It's great on long cruises. Yeah. But there's so many other things you could do that with. I
0: think a good stress test also would be doing Mount Nebo. Yeah. Because it goes up to t- what, 10? The Road itself goes up to did, 10. I think so, yeah. I think, which is like a roughly 6,000 foot climb. Mm-hmm. And I, well, we've
1: done an out in with it because I did it, I know, but yeah. <laughs> then things happen. Th- then a boost hose blew, yeah. Fortunately, I've solved that problem because I have all of my uh, but also if you
0: did that like during summer as well, like that, that's a good heat stress test and the load yeah. stress test for everything. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you did it three years ago, let's do it again, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, so. Which is crazy. That was three years ago.
1: (sighs) It's wild. That car hasn't been registered in two years again. This is the third time in my ownership that it's spent more than a year not registered.
0: Well, the thing to me is that's weird is that was just after I got my Fiesta.
1: Yeah. Like, I still have my uh, Vertical Mile Rally stickers on it. Here's some frame for reference. So, since you got your Fiesta, (laughs) that car was not running and has only done 700 miles since. Oh, my fucking God. And you've put almost 50,000 on your Fiesta. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and that car has done literally a hundred times less mileage
0: wow yeah because i've taken my car to boise like three or four times one of which was through the sawtooths i've taken it to la twice Mm -hmm. i've taken it to moab i've taken i mean it's been my commute vehicle for three years and i've also done a track day as previously mentioned Mm mm-hmm uh, up to park city a bunch and like drives to the park city car club and just a bunch of canyon days uh yeah
1: yeah it's been good <laughs> yeah it's been a good car and that's where i want to get this thing to. that's always been my goal is to get this thing to the point where it is a good car because i know it can be yeah it's just always been damned and determined to prove me wrong <laughs> Well, and so now I'm going to be like you're not asking this time. Exactly, you're telling exactly. So I definitely want to do that. But um, now that I have like rambled about all that, like i really, really have I really, I really have. But <laughs> I do think I hope it's interesting to the audience because that like it was a pretty substantial ramble on like what you would do to do a trip like yeah. this. Um, I actually had one other interesting thing. I don't know if you heard that we got news of. I saw you had the Integra Type S tab pulled up. We have the pricing. Yes, yeah, fifty-one grand. According to their website, fifty thousand eight hundred. So yes, uh, I saw, effectively, I saw 51500
0: But yeah, I mean, yeah, and I I saw comments uh, on posts regarding this saying that it's too expensive for an accurate. And I'm like, since fucking when? Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I mean, people look at this car and they are aware of, and th- this is the thing that bugs me about modern car culture mm-hmm. is we put so much emphasis on what the drivetrain is and how it may or may not uh, be affected in 50,000 miles, and then that is ultimately, or the car is ultimately judged on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that the Civic Type R engine is unreliable, but people look at that and they know the Civic Type R engine and transmission is in it, and they go, oh, well, that must mean that it is a Civic Type R. It fucking isn't. It just isn't. Look, look at the body. Look at, look at the design and how it's more sculpted. And then, you know, go to the interior
1: and it's a very much a different category of car. I mean, the funny thing is, is that the interior, yes, while it maintains a tiny bit of some Civic Type R influence, like it does have the same kind of like dash layout with those same type of vents. That's the only thing. Yeah. Like, the rest of it is completely different. The seats are completely different. Seats
0: and, uh, Dash, and mostly and Dash and, uh, and, like, the uh, console and uh, infotainment. And, like, you know, how shit's even screwed together, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, scroll down.
1: It is, like, an en- entirely more interior second stuff. layer. Like, okay, there's that. Um, it looks the fucking business. It does. For some reason, that's all they have on their website at the moment. Like, there's not even... Uh, there's not even... I was hoping initially when I pulled this up to do, like, a build... They don't even oh, have really. the. They don't even have the build. Go,
0: go to vehicle. I I since I haven't been on their website
1: yet. Um, so if you go to vehicles and if you click on the Type S th- section, it's not even listed there yet, at all. Um, see, coming soon, but then it just has the. Uh, this is
0: just their. This is their Type S brand. Yep.
1: Yeah. And gotcha. so if we click on the explore the Integra Type S. I believe it just takes us back to that same place. So right now, their websites in a loop. You can't build the car yet. Yeah. You can't look at that many photos. What happens when you just go to Integra? If I just go to Integra, I think it just takes me. Yeah, so it just the regular Integra page with nothing to do with the Type S. You could lease that for four hundred a month. Honda. So Honda has some pretty competitive leasing terms. That makes
0: me f- reconsider. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, now you do have to read. So, 3,000 do it signing. So, you sure. do that is dropping 3,000. So, if you were able to get approved without that 3,000 down, it would probably be closer to 500 a month. But that's still not bad. And that's yeah. probably with a standard 12,000 mile a year lease. Yeah. um That's still a good amount of car for that, though. That's
0: a lot of car for that.
1: Yeah. And they, uh, they're, I mean, it's a fucking Honda. At, at the end of the day, it is a Honda. So, like, you know, it's going to be economical and, and reliable. And it's not like
0: they have a shit engine in it either. No. Um, it, it is
1: the Civic SI motor. Yeah. That's in that. And I think one of the other things that frustrates me about modern car culture is we've gotten really good at, similar to what you said with comparing drivetrains, looking at it being like, mm, it's just a Honda that's up badged. Yes, it is. But <laughs> there is. It, plenty more than enough changed. In fact, I'd argue there seems on the surface to be more change to going from Civic to Integra than going from, well, like, for instance, Golf R to S3. Uh,
0: in this iteration, you're actually wrong. There are people that are not just uh, trolls on the internet but actual journalists mm-hmm. that actually look at the price difference between uh, Civic Si and Integra Type R or sorry uh it just base integra yeah. my b- my bad yeah um and people are liking the interior and the livability of the civic more than the integra especially when there's like a $7000 price difference and you're like well you don't get symmetrical or uh not symmetrical but uh uh super handling all wheel drive in this True. it's the same layout what the fuck um the type S, on the other hand, I do see as something that like cars are are expensive now. And I also think that people um that are these trolls or online commenters, mm-hmm. they look at what integras might have used to cost. Yeah. Like the last gen Integra. And then they look at this and they're like, What the fuck? Yeah. But, not- but like you're getting so much more car now. And then cars in general are just more expensive now, and there's inflation. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of factors that come into this, and it's not just accurate coming in to you know uh, bankroll this shit.
1: Well, and yeah, it, it's difficult because the average car price purchase price is now over forty thousand so dollars. I believe it's forty two. No, it's like fifty. It's getting up to fifty.
0: It's get, yeah. It it had a massive like seven or eight thousand dollar jump in the last six months.
1: I just looked this up like last week, so I'm, I'm curious. Um, it I heard something over the last forty-eight weeks. eight. Yeah, so yeah, it's getting real close to fifty. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it, it's getting up there. It's almost fifty fucking grand as an average average new car yeah, purchase. Just people
0: keep spending eighty to hundred thousand dollars on trucks. Yes, I know. And Teslas and. All that. Porsches and shit, yeah.
1: Like, yeah. like not the fun Porsches, either. <laughs> so, I mean, in theory, then, like, this Integra is coming in at just barely above average. Yeah. You know, it's... If, whereas, you know,
0: 15 years ago or 10 years ago, a $50,000 car was a nice car.
1: Yeah. Like, my Audi was a $51,000 car thir- uh, 28 years ago. So, you know, we're approaching the 30-year mark, and... Like, I'm sorry you say
0: that your your, Audi, your Audi was. Yes.
1: So, like, if you, I've even done that math. If you transition that price and then bump up by normal inflation to a modern price, it's under a hundred grand still. Yeah. So, so like, my Audi, uh, is was a bargain at the times. Like, there was, it was like ninety three thousand, I think, is what it came out to in twenty twenty three money. Yeah. Roughly speaking, from its MSRP. So like yeah, okay. So we went from 93 to like 110, 113 in modern context for a if you're trying to bump up to RS6, but if you're trying to stay relevant and stay with the S6 because it's not an RS6. Well, RS6s are 140. Mhm. And but if you're trying to stay with the S6 brand, then in theory then my car cost more inflation adjusted yeah. than the modern S6.
0: Yeah. And like the same shit is also being said about Supras too. Um when the when the A90 Supra dropped it was like 50 ish mm-hmm. was like 55 and people lost their shit uh and then adjusted for inflation i think the mark 4 supra was like around 80 to 90 in
1: 2019 yeah money so see and this is let's see so what i was looking at i was trying to find um the integra type r like a late 90s, early 2000s, the same one that... Uh, Brad has? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to find a rough idea of the MSRP on that because, mm-hmm. like, just just to see. I found a couple figures, and I don't know which ones are accurate. One says starting at 23.5. Another one says, like, 26. But it, again, if you adjust those figures, it's about an 80% difference from the late 90s to now, as far as inflation goes. We're basically within spitting distance still. Yeah. And it's always cost... 20 to 30% more than the equivalent Honda. So we're still there. And everything's still proportionally right. It's just people's larger numbers. Yep. And I get it. It sucks. Everything is expensive. I get it. But at the and same it's time. And it's going to keep going that way too. Yeah. Everything's going to keep going up. Like, I, I don't know what the you want. The cost to
0: make shit goes up. The supply chain itself and, your know, access to shit, you know, keeps getting more
1: difficult. And cars are beyond more complex than they used to oh be. Oh, my God. It's not even close. In fact, I have a friend, well, Bryce's co-worker's husband that works at Mercedes. Their newest car has 260 modules on it as far as, like, electronic control modules for something. Yeah. Granted, that's it's a Mercedes, Mercedes, but that same— any other said their top model, you said— uh, their newest one, so one of the new SEVs that came out in the last year. Uh, when they scan it, when he goes in with his yeah. scan tool, two hundred and sixty different modules. So would that be like a GLS? Things. Things? Yeah, I probably. Think so. I think so. But like, and, and it doesn't get more simple when you go to EVs either. It doesn't, not at all. And so that same thing has happened with every car. Like you, you go to even a base Civic, it's going to have at least twenty to thirty different modules dash computers for various tasks. You're um, getting—I think one of the things that people get lost in translation a lot is that even taking the inflation adjustment out of effect, a car from now, 2023, of almost any maker model, is at least two to three times safer than a car from even 10 years ago. The safety in cars, even in the past decade, let alone the past three decades, is immeasurable in how much better it is. Mm -hmm. If you get in a crash in a car, again, almost any model today— you are much more likely to survive than you used to be. Oh, as yeah. much as I love, for instance, Radwood-era cars, most of them were built like absolute fucking shit. Yeah. They were tin cans with wheels. It's part of what made them good. They were lightweight. Like Then that's the whole point of even Throttle House's video, is that cars are heavy now. Very true. Yeah. Um, but The M2 is 4,000 pounds. It's the, I bring up, actually, uh, in my Saab video, which, by the way, you should go watch that because it just went and premiered live. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> yesterday. By the, by the time you're hearing this, yesterday. Um, I mention in there several bits about the Top Gear video, and they say twice in the Top Gear video special on Saab that nobody could ever figure out why a Saab cost so much until they crashed it. Yeah. Because compared to everything else at the time, it it and Volvo were untouchable Yeah. in the 80s and 90s. And nowadays, even before that, too, like in the 70s and nowadays, that's pretty much the standard modern car is that level of crash protection. Mm -hmm. So like you're getting so much more for your money on pretty much every level from economics to engineering, to technology, to safety. And I'm sorry that cars cost more, but the reality is there's reasons. And sadly, for better or for worse, a lot of those reasons are very valid. So anyways, I I do think that I am genuinely curious once these uh Type S's actually legitimately drop what they're like cuz they look really good. I think they look great. Uh I mean it's one
0: of the I don't want to say one of the only new cars because I don't want to be a uh, a Debbie downer with modern cars, but it is one of the cars that would that actually excite me that has come out this year. It's and this is the only probably the only normal car, like when I, you know, normal, quote unquote. It's like
1: this and the GR Corolla. Cars that are, in essence, attainable to the average person cool. with a stretch, but. I mean, not just that, but things that are not purpose-built sports cars.
0: Yeah. Things that are just like actual, just cars. Um, It's like this and GR Corolla and then when you venture outside of that is like GT4 RS,
1: Amira. mm mm-hmm. uh, I quite like the Amira. Uh... I'm trying to think of what else. I you could, know. I mean, you're starting, you're not quite there, but you're starting to approach entry-level Carrera territory. You're like, you, within those, a- With what, Amira? Yeah, as far as pricing goes. Uh, Yeah, I think those are like 90 mm-hmm. to 100. Yeah, so you're you're within spitting distance of that. If you're spending 80, it's likely that you could potentially spend 90 to 100 yeah. uh, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, So you're getting real up there. So I think that this, similar to like, for instance, things like the Stinger or like that will hit a very good middle ground yeah. where it is it what's a stretch for an average person but it's not beyond somebody's means that would have been spending money for a new car anyways.
0: Right. Well what's also crazy uh RS3s when the Stinger came out those were kind of in the same ballpark cuz I think base
1: RS3s were 55 mm-hmm. I think and now they're 75 grand? Yeah, they've gone up a lot. They went up a lot. Same with, um, so right as the Stinger launched was also the same time that the new RS5 launched. Um, oh, yeah, the B9. The B9, Yeah, and with the whole slope back and everything, and the updated 2.9 liter. Yeah. Um, and those were, I think they started originally at like 66 or somewhere yeah. in there, and those have also gone up to like the mid to low 80s. How much did Diana get hers for? I actually don't I know. I feel like she spent a lot more on it for some reason. She may have, because that was also, again, right before the COVID times, and right as we started to get close to that. She
0: got hers in, like, 2018?
1: 18, 19, yeah. I think it was 18. Yeah. Anyways. those That was where some things started to creep up. In fact, I was actually thinking about this. That was actually where I think markups started to creep up. I had this thought the other day that right before COVID, um in around 2018 the first car i can think of that started to have like m- noteworthy major markup was gladiators
0: oh interesting well th- i mean it has it had been happening before that it had um depending uh, on hellcats uh, those had like 20 grand markups and the fk8 civic type r mm-hmm. uh, also had like 15 to 20000 dollar markups
1: Yeah, and so in that... And that was
0: 2015.
1: Yeah, in that era, like, 15 to 20, like, that five years is where we first started to see those, like, markups really hit, like, "Quote unquote normal cars, like again Type R, Gladiator, things like that. Yeah. Prior to that, yeah, I mean, you go to the big boys, you would see markups all the time for no good reason, just because GT3s. It was a thing since at least the 997s. Exactly. That, say-
0: that was twenty grand, but that was also twenty grand on a six-figure car, so it was like, eh. Eh, I mean, I I hate the principle of it, but like, it wasn't like you know twenty grand on a thirty-five
1: thousand dollar car. Yeah, the ratios worked out because it was like five percent of the purchase price. Right. It, it it was. Right. not okay but uh made sense I like from the a principle of it, but from it a was, math perspective yeah. yeah so we'll see um i think that they honestly nailed it with the pricing um just cuz that is what cars are these days and i think for what you're getting for what it's worth at least on paper it looks fantastic and there was i didn't see it just in this quick little google search i did but there was one article i came across that i loved the title of it was just like news flash the uh um a- Integra type S pricing is either more or less than you expected. <laughs> I was like nice. that was a great headline. Whoever nice. did that was a genius level comedian.
0: Oh, it's se- <laughs> and okay, so there's car and driver saying that it's $7100 more than the Type R. Yeah, cuz the
1: Type R starts at like 52 5- 51 852 or something like that.
0: Well, the Type S is f- like 51.
1: Sorry, 41. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Low 40s um yeah. for the uh Civic Type R versus low 50s for the Civic or for the Integra Type S. Yes. Too many types. You are not a Honda guy. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly.
1: Um Yeah.
0: So yeah. I don't know. Uh I mean it, I see a value in it. I, I I can I have a good feeling about the car about, you know, how it'll drive and how you know, nice it'll be, and you know, value for money. And like, I, I see it with that, and that makes me excited. And I haven't really felt that way about cars in a while. I'd like to get one for review, I think that would be rad.
1: I see actual effort, and that's what excites me.
0: Yeah, I do too. And it's not just marketing bullshit.
1: Because there has been, we'll just say, a trend um, where a lot of manufacturers have started uh, for about a decade now, especially releasing things like, for instance, Audi has S-Line. There's like little packages that they'll throw onto the regular car to make them to the average consumer seem more exciting. But there's not that much effort there. Right. Appearance packages Mm -hmm. in general.
0: M-Line, S-Line, AMG
1: Line. Yep. All of those type of things. And those are low effort, low hanging fruit that they know if they get somebody in there that's not really in the know. Subaru Wilderness trims. Yep. They'll be like, oh, yeah, this is this package, which makes it so much better. If we throw
0: enough gold on it, people will, you know, be handing us money hand over fist.
1: It's all marketing BS, where I do have to appreciate that, like with Acura, it is legitimately an identifiable, different car that does seem to have a lot of special attentions put to its buttholes. Nice Canadian reference right there. (laughs)
0: Attentions paid. Uh, I do kind of wish that this was actually just the Integra.
1: And then there was a Type S above it? A Type
0: S or Type R above it. Like, you know, say the Civic Type R motor and gearbox and driveline. You know, if if that was in like a two-door version of this and that was the Integra, people would go fucking crazy for that.
1: Well, I do I do remember quite a few people complaining, like, oh, the, Integ- the Integra-type series is supposed to be two-door. It's like, mm, no. No, they've been four-door. The original was actually four-door. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I also would be curious to see how this car would behave and how it would be if it had super handling all-wheel drive. True. And the manual
1: and the 300-whatever horsepower, you know, turbo four-cylinder true i think that is one way that it that's probably how they had to get do to get it down to that fifty thousand price bracket is
0: oh like, yeah if it had super handling all-wheel drive it'd be 65 plus yeah it, it would
1: probably. be a significant amount because yeah. here they were able to reuse at least most of the drivetrain yeah um with with just tweaks versus right. that they would probably have to do a ton of retooling a bunch
0: of repackaging yeah yeah
1: tons of work and I don't know. I think it would have been cool, too. That would have been awesome to see on something like that. Because
0: that would have really, like, t- converted into a full-on sports sedan, I think.
1: Yeah, a full-on sports sedan that that is very usable year-round. Yes, front-wheel drive cars can be made very decent in the snow and can be totally usable. You do it every day. Um, but, like, having super handling all-wheel drive that, in theory, should make it better at both winter duties and potentially track duties, if it's done right, Yeah, would be a fantastic thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, and super handling all wheel drive for those that have driven it know how good it is. I actually haven't really driven one with it, but yeah, or a, a, when I say one, I mean a car with super handling all wheel drive. Um, I hear amazing things about it and how it's basically super predictive and knows what to do yeah. when things happen, especially like the most recent versions. But
1: yeah, because the uh, I think technically speaking, they branded what was in um, the NSX as super handling all wheel drive, but it's completely different because it's driven electrically by the front wheels. Yeah, it's, it's not that even that the same. It's
0: completely different.
1: So it to get it in a regular model, I'd be genuinely genuinely curious as well, especially with a small car like that. Not that many small cars like that. It's really just <laughs> now na- small. small quotes. Small by modern standards. Small by, uh, what, a 4,300,
0: 4,200-pound 4, sedan is now small? Okay. Uh,
1: sadly, it kind of is. Yeah. Um, but in a, we'll call it mid-to-smaller package uh, yeah. in modern context would be really cool because we've only, yeah. only just now, this recent generation, have things like the Mazda 3 gotten all-wheel drive. Yep. Up until now, most of the small chassis have stayed vehemently front-wheel drive. Oh, because all-wheel it's, drive Corolla. Yeah yeah with i mean with gr with the gr it's it's only been very recently that we figured out how to package all that shit together Mm -hmm. so maybe i don't i don't know maybe maybe they looked at it and just said we wouldn't have enough people to buy that whereas at fifty thousand if we cut all the other stuff out and call it a type s people will buy it
0: very likely very very likely uh do you have anything else no that's really it cool uh well thank you all for listening uh, I keep on saying this at the end of our episodes, but we have merch coming by some. Uh, I booked a, a photo shoot with our, you've, you've met Vinny, haven't you? Once, yeah. Uh, Vinny Meyer, uh, he has an R35 GTR, and when he booked the photo shoot, he was like, hey, by the way, um, I'm gonna pay you extra money, so, uh, get me some of your merch. Hell yeah. So, uh, shout out to Vinny Meyer, uh, we have to book that photo shoot before I leave, or maybe after I come back from Overland Expo. Yeah. Um, he's getting a new wrap, and so he needs new media, it will yeah. be fun. But uh, basically, I, I'm going through all this to say go buy our merch because we have merch to, uh, to buy. We have shirts. We have hoodies that you can can buy. Yeah. Yeah, that you can buy. It'll, those will take a little longer. But uh, shirts, hats, stickers, and hoodies, all of that, and also articles on www.exhibitionofspeed.com. Uh, until next time, I have been Gavin. And I've been Justin. And this has been the Exhibition of Speed Podcast. Goodbye.